0: needing reassurance. You're all right, aren't you, Elfrida? They asked. No regrets? You don't want to come back to London? You're happy? She had been able to set their minds at rest. Of course I am. This is my geriatric bolt hole. This is where I shall spend the twilight of my years. So by now there was a comfortable familiarity about it all. She knew who lived in this house, in that cottage. People called her by her name. "'Morning, Elfrida,' or "'Lovely Day, Mrs. Phipps.'" Some of the inhabitants were commuting families, the man of the house setting out early each morning to catch the fast train to London, and returning late in the evening to pick up his car from the station and drive the short distance home. Others had lived here all their lives in small stone houses that had belonged to their fathers, and their grandfathers before that. Others were new altogether— inhabiting the council estates that ring the village and employed by the electronics factory in the neighbouring town. It was all very ordinary and so undemanding. Just, in fact, what Elfrida needed. Walking, she passed the pub, newly furbished and now called the Dibton Coach House. There were wrought-iron signs and a spacious car park. Further on, she passed the church with its yew-trees, lych gate and a notice-board fluttering with parish news. A guitar concert, an outing for the mothers and toddlers group. In the churchyard, a man lit a bonfire and the air was sweet with the scent of toasting leaves. Overhead, rooks cawed. A cat sat on one of the churchyard gateposts, but luckily Horace did not notice him. The street curved and at the end of it, By the dull bungalow which was the new vicarage, she saw the village shop, flying banners advertising ice-cream, and with newspaper placards propped against the wall. Two or three youths with bicycles hung about its door, and the postman, with his red van, was emptying the post box. There were bars over the shop window to stop vandals breaking the glass and stealing the tins of biscuits and arrangements of baked beans that were Mrs. Jennings's idea of tasteful decoration. Elfrida put down her basket and tied Horace's lead to one of the bars, and he sat looking resigned. He hated being left on the pavement, at the mercy of the jeering youths, but Mrs Jennings didn't like dogs in her establishment. She said they lifted their legs and were dirty brutes. Inside, the shop was bright with electricity, low-ceilinged and very warm. Refrigerators and freezers hummed, and there was strip-lighting and an up-to-date arrangement of display shelving, which had been installed some months ago. A huge improvement, Mrs. Jennings insisted, more like a mini-market. Because of all these barriers, it was difficult to know at first glance who was in the shop and who wasn't, and it was not until Elfrida rounded a corner, instant coffee and teas, that she saw the familiar back view, standing by the till and paying his due. Oscar Blundell Elfrida was past the age when her heart leapt for joy, but she was always pleased to see Oscar. He'd been almost the first person she met when she came to live in Dipton, because she'd gone to church one Sunday morning, and after the service the vicar had stopped her outside the door, his hair on end in the fresh spring breeze, and his white cassock blowing like clean washing on a line. he had spoken welcoming words "'Made a few noises about doing flowers and the Women's Institute, "'and then, mercifully, was diverted. "'And here's our organist, Oscar Blundell. "'Not our regular organist, you understand, "'but a splendid spare wheel in times of trouble.' "'And Elfrida turned and saw the man emerging "'from the darkness of the interior of the church, "'walking out into the sunshine to join them. "'She saw the gentle, amused face, the hooded eyes— the hair that had probably once been fair but was now thickly white. He was as tall as Elfrida, which was unusual. She towered over most men, being five foot eleven and thin as a lath. But Oscar she met eye to eye and liked what she saw there. Because it was Sunday, he wore a tweed suit and a pleasing tie, and when they shook hands, his grip had a good feel to it. She said, How clever. To play the organ, I mean is it your hobby? And he replied, quite seriously, no, my job, my life, and then smiled, which took all pomposity from his words.